So before we begin, I'd like to read out Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. So feel free to open up your Bibles, otherwise the word will be up on the screen behind me. Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most high place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Sunday. Uh, we thank you for the day where we come together at the church to worship you. We pray for our hearts and our minds to tune into the rhythm of your word. Let, you, let your word speak truth in our church today. We leave our to-do list, our burdens aside, and pray that we can think about your faithfulness in our lives as we read your word today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So what we believe influences our actions. Let me say that again. What we believe influences our actions. So let me give you an example. Since moving out of home last year, I realized that there are things that I do that people might find a bit weird. Okay, one, I have the same breakfast each day. So I'll have milk and cereal, normally Weet-Bix or cornflakes. Uh, if you don't know what Weet-Bix are, um, there's these four rectangular bricks um, that you pour in your bowl and you pour milk over it. And I know some of you guys like something different every day. I know some of you guys don't even have breakfast. But for me, I'm not a morning person. So if I want to wake up in the morning, I don't have the time or the mental capacity to decide what to eat. So for me, it's cereal. And number two may sound a bit weirder, uh, but when I need to go to the bathroom at night, um, I would like to keep one eye closed. Um, so, yeah, so I'll wake up at night, um, I'll, I'll put my left hand over my left eye, and I would walk to the bathroom, turn the lights on, do my thing, and I'll keep them closed until I get back onto the bed. And for me, hear me out, for me, it's I'm trying to trick my brain to thinking that I'm still sleeping. <laughs> um, and you may not agree with why I do these things, but we can say that what we believe has a huge impact on what we do. And we read here in Hebrews 10, 19 to 25, that in light of Jesus' person and work, we are to have confidence to do three things. One, draw near. Two, 
hold unswervingly, and three, spur one another on. Let me say that again if you want to write it down. One, draw near. Two, hold unswervingly. And three, spur one another on. So what is this belief that we are influenced to do these three things? And for some of us here, we get so caught up in reading and studying the Bible and its theology, but we fall short in living it out. And for some of us, we can think, I just need to love others. I just need to go to church every week and neglect the part of reading the Bible and thinking about why we do what we do. Arthur Pink quotes this in his commentary on Hebrews. Nothing but doctrine, which is thinking, will produce a cold and conceited people. And nothing but exhortation, which is doing, will lead to discouraged and ill-instructed people. So the quote is saying we fall into these two traps, either spending too much time thinking and not doing, or too much time doing and not thinking. And we see here in Hebrews that the thinking and the doing comes hand in hand. And for those who have been with us here since February, we've been journeying through the book of Hebrews. And we spent a bit of time talking about the theology of Jesus, how Jesus is better than the angels, how he's better than the prophets, how he's better than the Levitical priesthood and the old Jewish ways. And now we reach the part of the letter where he's telling us to do three things in light of those. So looking back on what we've learned, we see that the Old Testament laws were a sign for what was to come. So we read here in chapter 10, verse 1, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the reality themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly, year after year, make perfect for those who draw near to worship. And for those that know, I moved out of my family home last year. And I've shared it with people before, but one of the things that I hate to do around the house is laundry. And I'm sure most of you can relate. Um, give me any other chore. I don't mind washing the dishes. I don't mind cleaning the toilet. Even give me mowing the lawn. But with laundry, it's something I never really enjoyed doing. Why? Because all these other chores take 15 to 20 minutes. But laundry, you, you have to sort it out chuck it in the dryer or the washing machine, wait till it finishes, then take it out, and then hang them, wait till it dries, then you've got to take it back down, fold it, and put it in the closet. And you've got to do that again and again. And that's not even the end. Once you wear your clothes, it gets dirty, or it smells, so you've got to wash it again. And I wonder, maybe that's what it's like to live under the old laws just to have to constantly offer sacrifices again and again and doing your best to keep themselves clean. But inevitably, you still have to do it. And Hebrews 10 verse 10 emphasizes this. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. And again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. 
But imagine for once that there's clothes that never get dirty. Or even better, that we are made clean forever. How crazy would that be? And by that note, that's why Jesus was better. Because we are made right and we are made clean in the eyes of God. And now with that, with that in the background, um, let's dive into the passage today. Verse 19 to 21. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most high place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. I'm going to end that there. Now, what he's saying is that we can have full confidence to approach God because of the person and work of Jesus. The person and work of Jesus. And this passage is saying that we can now have confidence to enter the presence of God by the blood of Jesus. And unlike the sacrifice of animals, which was done over and over in the Old Testament, Jesus' work ended it for all of us. So no other work could have secured our salvation like the work Jesus did. And no other person would have done what Jesus done as our high priest. And that's why we can trust in the work and the person of Jesus. And that's why now we have this new and living way. And it's not just a new way different from the Old Testament laws, but it's also a way that gives us life. And it's the life that actually has power in our access to God. And God doesn't just want us to know this, but he wants us to embrace this and experience it in our own lives. And God didn't just die just to forgive our sins, but he also died so that we can have a living and connected relationship with him. And because of this confidence in the person and the work of Jesus, we can do three things. So number one, as I mentioned, draw near. And someone said to me that this is the salad part of Hebrew. And just like how there's lettuce in salad, there are three letter statements in this passage. So number one, draw near, verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance that faith brings. Yeah, and in case no one got the lettuce joke, um, it's uh, lettuce, lettuce. <laughs> um, and how crazy is it to hear that this God that we were once enemies of has allowed us to draw near to him. And God has opened this way and accepted you into his presence because of Jesus. And what does drawing near to God mean? It means living a life of worship. Verse 22 continues, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. And this verse is saying that we can have our hearts and our bodies transformed in this new and living way because of the confidence that we have. And I need to make this clear. 
drawing knee is not just an activity. So we don't draw knee to God by coming closer to a church building or sitting closer to the front of the stage. But drawing near to God is a way of life. And it cultivates the daily presence of God in our lives through prayer and word. And for most of us living here in Sydney, Australia, we are very time-poor people. And for most of us, we wake up in the morning, we have a to-do list, and we rush off to our families, to our workplaces, to our schools, to our colleges, to our appointments. We try to fit time in to eat, to catch up with people. And on top of it, we've got some chores and errands like laundry, and we have deadlines, KPIs, and targets we have to meet. And what's crazy is that for some of us here, we also have family commitments and even kids. And what's crazy is that this lifestyle is commended and sometimes even praised by the world. But we can see that this kind of lifestyle has no room for God in our lives. This lifestyle has no room for deepening relationships. It has no room for communication. It has no room for intimacy. And now God isn't saying, don't be busy, because we are told to make the best use of our time on earth. But when this busyness comes in the cost of your relationship with God and our neighbours, then we should stop and think where we're at with God. And if you want to draw near to God, we need to learn to make time in our busy life to stop and live a life of worship. And I'm just going to mention this, living a life of worship, we find the freedom to do what we were created to be. I'm going to give you an example. Just how musicians feel about music, just how runners feel about running, Christians should feel this way about worship. And because of who Jesus is and what Jesus did, so the person and the work of Jesus, we can have full confidence to draw near to God despite how we're feeling or how we're doing. Which leads us to point two. Not only does the author of Hebrews tell us to draw near, but he also tells us to hold unswervingly. Verse 23, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And one thing I learned in my walk with God is that there is no such thing as a mechanical salvation. So in a perfect world, we would read our Bible, pray our sinners' prayers, and become a Christian, and our lives would just magically become better. But the reality is that I fail all the time. Just take a look at Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples the one who saw all of Jesus' miracles, the one who learned all of Jesus' teaching, and the one who said to Jesus to his face, I will never abandon you. But when push came to shove, he denied even knowing Jesus three times. 
And when Jesus was crucified, his disciples were nowhere to be seen. And how foolish are we to think that we can do what the Bible says naturally with our own efforts. The reality is our minds change all the time. Sometimes one day you wake up and think, oh, I want to go to church every week and I want to read my Bible every day. But as soon as we get busy or something important comes up, we stop. And the reality is that living as a Christian in this world is difficult. The rhythms of the world, the glory and the treasures of the world can sometimes look so tempting, so easy and so normal. But as a Christian, we can learn to say no to these things. Why? Because we can trust in God and his promises. Verse 23, let's read it again. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. Why? Because he who promised is faithful. And unlike humans who are easily influenced by the latest trend, the latest petitions, or the latest treasures, God does not change in his will or his ways. And by his way, that it gives us confidence to draw near, also gives us the will to stand firm in our faith. And it is by God's faithfulness that we can stand firm as well. Jihadist Voss, and a Dutch-American theologian, quotes, The Christian is a man who lives with his heavenly destiny ever in full view. His outlook is not bound by the present life and the present world. He sees that which is and which is to come in their true proportions and in their proper perspective. I know it's a long quote, but I'm just going to ask you a question. How often do you think about heaven? Believe it or not, the Bible said clearly that our great reward is in heaven. And we need to believe this. Because as much as the greatest things that this world can offer, it is nothing compared to what we receive from God when we, receive, when we enter into his holy place. And that's why the early Christians of the time of Hebrews were able to endure such persecution and sufferings because they weren't looking at their current situation and despairing but they were looking ahead to the hope that they possessed. So one, let us draw near to God. Two, let us hold unswervingly. And number three, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And one of the ways that we live once we know and embrace what Jesus did for us is that we become less self-seeking and more others-focused. And the language of spurring one another on can sometimes have a negative connotation. Another translation describes it as provoke or irritate. But the author of Hebrews here uses it as a positive motivation. And in light 
of our confidence in Christ's work and person, the author of Hebrews it challenges us to actively express our love for our neighbour. And for that, we must consider the impacts of our actions on the faith of others. And we need to think about this. Does our behaviour, does our conduct sometimes get in the way of people coming to God? Does our behaviour set a helpful model to weak and new believers? Does your advice to them um, go against the worldly logic and remind believers of the God's promises and wisdom? And this new and living way that God commands us is not just ticking off a religious activity. And it's not just that I went to church on a Sunday, did a bit of serving, but it's more than that. The challenge that this verse puts on us is that we are, act, are we actively seeking to encourage our fellow believers in Christ, to allow them to pursue Christ and love Christ more. And that's a challenge to a lot of us, especially for us living in busy lifestyles. And whether we believe it or not, the people around us can have a huge influence on our actions and our goals and our perseverance to task. And that's why there's a power in meeting together. When we come together as a church on Sunday, we remind ourselves of God's promises. We remind ourselves of the realities of the world and our brokenness and the freedom that comes with knowing and believing in what Jesus did for us on that cross. And I mentioned this before, but we are naive to think that we can live as a Christian on our own. The Bible says the sin is waiting on every corner. And we can forget that we can easily drift away from our faith as our minds and our hearts change. And people miss out on this freedom and the joy of drawing near to God. And so this passage says, verse 24 to 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not meeting together, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So to look back on what we've spoken so far, we know that what we believe, that we are saved through the person and work of Jesus Christ, has a huge influence in what we do. And through this truth, The book of Hebrews says that we can have confidence to draw near to God in faith, to hold unswervingly to the hope that we received, and to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So what now? And for those who have been at our church for a while, we have three key words in our spiritual pathways. So that's belong, become, and bless. And you can see them on our pop, one of our pop-up banners outside the church. And I would love to use that for our application today. As we can see how this passage plays out in these three stages. So belong, joining. For some of us here, we just need to know that we can draw near to God. Simple as that. Because some of us here may be struggling to draw near to God. Maybe 
is the guilt from your sin. Maybe you're just too busy. Or maybe you just want to fix yourself before coming to God. But the beauty is that what Jesus did is not just some abstract thing. They're not just words on a page. But it's something that we can have full assurance of. And when we pray to God and when we read our Bible, it's not coming from a position of fear or guilt or shame or distrust, but it's coming from a position of confidence. And I've got two applications here, but if that's what you need to do and that's where you're at, I would love to challenge you guys to just focus on the one application. Set aside time in your schedule to think where you're at with God and whether you truly believe in what Jesus did and what that actually means for your life. But next application is become. So holding firm or holding unswervingly. Yes, living as a Christian in this life is not easy. But the Bible challenges us to be different from the world and to say no to our selfish desires and at times go against with what the world says and sometimes at great personal cost. But we are able to stand firm in this, not because of our own strength or our own feelings, but because of what Jesus did and to who who is faithful to his promises. And God gives us hope to stand firm. And the promises that will continue in our life and into the next. And number three, bless. So spur one another on in love and good deeds. And for me, I strongly believe that a church isn't just a group of people that come to church on a Sunday and that's it. I believe that it's a community of believers that exist to love God and love people. And we're challenged to work together to encourage one another to make his name known in our neighbourhood. And what better way to do this than contribute to our food drive? So I'm just, this is something that I'm just going to add on. Um, it's not even in my sermon, but I just noticed that we have our neighbourhood barbecue on, at the 30th with the food drive. And we are partnering up with a local church down the road. So if that's something that you want to apply from this sermon, I would encourage you to yeah, bring your perishables and yeah, goods um, on Sunday. So if you remember nothing else from this sermon, I'd like to leave you with this. What we believe influences our actions. And it's clear that we can have confidence in our approach to God because of the person and the work of Jesus. And I pray that as we think about this truth, not just individually, but at the church, that we can respond to this. That we can draw near to God in confidence. That we can stand firm in our faith and in his promises and persevere and that we can live lives that actively seeks to encourage our brothers and sisters to love God 
and love people more. Yes, the Christian life is not easy. And yes, it may sometimes cost us. But our reward is great in heaven. Let's pray.